0: TJ, you got a tough schedule.
1: Having an easier schedule doesn't fix the fact they have a shitty coach. Randomness of Big Sky success comes down to your schedule in a lot of ways.
0: How many Big Sky playoff teams do you guys think we're getting? Are you confident enough to label those? Sports,
1: yeah. I frankly, uh, think it's a, a, an awful question. It's like asking what boat looks best in someone's driveway. Like, who gives a shit?
0: Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and bold, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host and with me today, mostly always, is TJ Hopkins. What's
2: up, Vandals? What's up, guys?
0: Also, we have Brian joining the show today.
2: Good to be here, Chris.
0: And we have our special guest from the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. You guys know him best as Bear Tycoon. What's up, everybody? Happy to talk Montana. And today's episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Slacks. All right, now we have a crowded pod sort of today um, and a lot to cover But I'm gonna get pretty much gonna be covering what happened at media days uh, While also kind of giving a big overview of what's gonna happen in the big sky based on obviously We have a Grizz fan on and a couple of vandals, but uh, as we know I'm probably the most homer vandal here So hopefully we'll get some good Total Big Sky coverage, um, but we've got a lot to talk about, so we're just going to jump through it and try, try to keep our Vandal lenses off today, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It is a Vandal podcast, so we'll keep it kind of Vandal-oriented, but uh, let's just hop right into it. Around the bar, uh, guys, I'm going to start with TJ mm-hmm. as the only one here who did not attend Big Sky Media Days. Yes. Who is your pick? To win the Big Sky Conference. First of all, I'm very jealous of you guys
2: going to that Big Sky meeting. It looked like a blast. Uh, you guys got a lot of good stuff from that, so I guess you know this podcast will just be kind of listening to you guys too because that was really cool. Um, but I, for my pick for the Big Sky Championship this year, I'm going to go with Eastern, um, just because of the you know the dominance of the of the program there, and you know their return to the ch- national championship last year. I think they're going to outright win the Big Sky this year.
0: Uh, Rory, I know you actually do have poll votes for the preseason poll. Now, I don't know if you do the polling as predictive or who you actually think the best team is. So I guess for you, I'd like to kind of, who did you pick number one in the preseason poll? And is that who you think is actually going to win the Big Sky Conference?
1: Yeah. So the answer for number one is, is the same. uh, And that's UC Davis. I like, you know, Eastern's obviously super tough, but one of the big unknowns right now with them is how they're going to fill a lot of the holes that they've had uh, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, They lost around 50% of their total offense this year. So I think Eastern, UC Davis, they're the top two teams in the conference with Weber State nearby, Uh, but Davis, both with their schedule and with the fact that they're returning so many players from last year's successful team, I like where they're at.
0: Yeah, and I'll kind of just pick up right there um, so we can kind of close this question out with Brian. Um, I know I'm with Rory on this one. I would pick UC Davis as my one. I think having Keelan Doss is a big loss. However, I think that can also... Hurt your offense when you have to feed a guy like that a little bit, uh, and I think now they have the wide receivers. They obviously got a lot of targets last year with teams really doubling up on Keelan. That, not to mention, they have the Big Sky, you know, Offensive Returner of the Year um, at Jake Meyer, and then you got Dan Hawkins, who is probably the best coach in the Big Sky. I think this year they make a pretty big push, and then obviously maybe in the next couple of years they just take a small drop back. But I think this is the year for uh, UC Davis to close it. Brian, are you siding with TJ? Rory myself, or do you have uh, someone all different or different altogether? So I'm
3: going to side with TJ in that my pick is Eastern. And there's two, two basic points about it. One, I hate that we have to do this because of how big the big sky is, but we do need to factor in their schedule for picking someone to win. On paper, Eastern has an unbelievably easy schedule. Their toughest conference game is at University of Montana. They don't play any of the three playoff teams from last year that they could have on the schedule. Those three would be UC Davis, Weber, and Montana State. Eastern plays none of them. Um, so phase one, they just have a really light schedule, and um, uh, it's entirely feasible. I think looking at their schedule on paper, they should be presuming that they run the table. And second is uh, you know Jake Myers returning offensive player of the year and i think in terms of being a skilled quarterback he's definitely the most skilled quarterback in the league but like eric berrier is he, he's my pick for player for player of the year at this point you know last year in 10 games he accounted for 31 touchdowns 23 passing 8 rushing uh, but 6 of those 6 of his 10 starts came against playoff caliber teams uh, those are weaver state uc davis twice nickel state maine and north dakota state so he accrued the, that three-touchdown-a-game average against elite competition um, more than half the time. And if you look at the competition he's going to go against now, even though people have tape on him, he has a significantly easier path uh, through this coming season. And Eastern did graduate 28 seniors, which is a huge uh, number of players to fill. But if you followed the team through the playoffs, they played through a ton of injuries. So even though they're losing seniors, they're not less necessarily losing as much you know, starting experience as you might think. Uh, so that, that's why, for me, Eastern, Eastern has um, some contextual advantages that, to me, it's just impossible to look
0: past. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a pretty good split. I think if you ask most people in the league, obviously the polls came out and they picked Eastern pretty steadfast to win it, but I think most average fans would say that it's probably going to come down to those two. Um, which leads to the other side of that spectrum. And I know, as most of you guys know, uh, Tubbs of the Club is a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Uh, with that, on if you guys haven't followed it on Twitter yet, you should, at Big Sky Podcasts. But we asked a question. Basically, this is next one we're going to ask. If which of the lower-tier teams is most likely to improve this year? Uh, so we're going to kind of play off that. We're going to open it up to a little bit more of the field. But, you know, taking away, you know, your UC Davis, Weber State, Eastern, and what's, say both Montana schools, who do you guys think the biggest surprise will be in the conference this year so you know you're you're four or I guess you're six through 13s uh, and let's start with Rory
1: yeah you know I like uh, I like Portland State um, I think that they are bringing back their defense showed a lot of promise last year uh, ranked you know uh, number one in terms of passing defense uh, number three in, to- in terms of total defense. Uh, I'm sorry, number four in terms of total defense, and they just—they're returning a lot of those guys. So I don't think they're a threat to win the the, the Big Sky Conference or even to uh, make the playoffs. But I do think that this is a team that you can't overlook this year. Um, and it, you know, they look—they beat Montana last year. They had—they had a I think a three-game win streaks at some point during the season. They showed last year that they that they can do this. And in talking with uh, their coach and their players in Spokane this past weekend, they very much view this as they're building on the success from last year. So um, I look they're viewed as a bottom tier team. I think they're going to be a middle of the pack team that uh, will probably surprise somebody this year.
0: I think that's a good one. Brian, you you think that as well or who, who you think is uh, going to be the biggest surprise this year? And I've got a homer pick. Um, and
3: that's, I, I think Idaho is going to be a surprise this don't year. Stop. Now, I don't think they will be a surprise as in top four or five, uh, but last year, you know, last year Idaho had a bottom tier offense and po- bottom tier defense. And usually we think of players leaving or, you know, having new starters as negative attrition. Uh, but, you know, Idaho's starting essentially a completely new defense, you know, last year, Um, Our scoring defense was about middle of the pack, but specifically our passing defense was pretty, pretty weak. We had the number, the third from worst overall passing defense in terms of yards per game surrendered. We had the second worst uh, pass defensive efficiency. Um, And this year, I don't think you can talk about Idaho's season last year without acknowledging that the worst team they lost to uh, the two worst teams they lost to were Montana and Idaho State. Both of those teams played themselves out of the playoffs in the last two weeks of the season. On paper, Idaho is going to walk into a significantly easier schedule this year. And I expect the def- it's going to be hard for the defense to be worse than it was last year, especially when we're likely not going to be playing only playoff caliber teams. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage for us. And I think that's going to give us a chance to reasonably expect that we we could be on the right side of 500 or at least at 500 this year which compared to last year is a pretty big step up
0: kind of want to agree with you there but i mean my whole issue with that is wyoming and penn state and you know that right there is probably starting us off with two losses which you know is a is a 12 game year this or 12 game schedule this year so that leaves us with 10 other opportunities but on that same note and why i'm gonna side with rory again uh when you look at portland state they do play at two FBS schools in Boise State and Arkansas, so they're probably gonna get those two losses as well. But they also only play two playoff teams from last year. They have UC Davis at home, and then they're at Eastern Washington to close out the year in the Dam Cup, which surprisingly Portland State has done better than most people would expect when you hear Eastern Washington versus Portland State. Uh, now at Eastern, I don't think they win that, but home against UC Davis, who knows? Like I said, you know it's late in the year. When those are your only two playoff teams you're playing, plus you get to play two D2 or lower schools, so they're already pretty much guaranteed two wins there. They could easily get hot in this schedule. Um, in my little predictions, I saw a best-case scenario of 9-3 and three and a worst-case of 4-8. and eight. And when you're Portland State, I know they had a kind of a surprise year last year. I think they really build on that, and they had one of the best recruiting classes in the FCS last year. So I think Portland State's really poised to actually make a solid climb into maybe that solid middle tier instead of a lower tier team that surprised you. Uh, TJ, what are you thinking on this?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna stir things up a little bit here. Uh, Sorry, Rory, I know it's the first time I've been on a pod, but I am gonna go with Montana State, the Bobcats, for my uh, biggest surprise for the year. I think we said no Montana school, so Uh, (laughs) it That's why it's such a surprise. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Um, I just, uh, they're returning seven starters. They got a lot easier schedule this year than they did last year. I know that the first half of their season looked pretty easy, and then it's coming down to the end of it. It'll be a little bit tougher, but, you know, they have 17 returning starters. they for some reason, got that quarterback, running back, linebacker, maybe even kicker. I don't know what he does, everything <laughs> for the field. Um, they've got that figured out. Uh, Cassis, the returning wide receiver, is another good player for them. Um, and I just think they'll have a, a, a solid record and get up there in the, in the top levels of the big
0: sky. All right, we'll, we'll let it slide with the Montana with State that pick. One, I'll, crack Cause, them, cause, I'll crack them on Tucky. Because they, do, they do have a real good shot of being mm-hmm. probably the team that could climb the most, so I'll mm-hmm. give you that one.
1: The only other team that I'd, that I'd mention in this conversation is Northern Arizona. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Case Cook yeah. is coming back. Being He's back. healthy. And that you know, they, I was super high on them last year. I thought they had a great team, um, and so losing him is a big deal. They have a new coach, and that's going to be – the X factor that we don't really know, but it's huge for them to get is back. And, you know, in terms of surprises, I think that they are super solid and, and can knock some some of these top tier teams off.
0: NIU is going to be an interesting one with Cook is coming back, if he can stay healthy. Um, and with the new coach, who knows? Other than that, moving into the polls, which, you know, totally mean everything, because this is exactly how it's going to finish out in the end of the year, but... I want to know if you guys think that the Big Sky Media Poll or Coaches Poll did a better job of predicting the conference, which is a little weird this year cuz what there's only two differences between them. Uh, 11 and 12, Southern Utah and Sac State flip. Hmm. And then otherwise it's at 5, 4 and 5 with the Montana schools. So I'll I'll start with this. I'm going to go the Media Poll just because I do think that Montana State has a real big chance. To improve now, obviously there's that question mark at quarterback. A lot of people think that Bauman might be the guy or Tucker Rovig, but neither of them, you know, they both lost out to a linebacker last year. So who knows? But if they can figure out the quarterback situation, I think the way their schedule's set up, um, it seems nearly impossible that they could roll four in a row against the Grizz. But unlike last year, I think for both teams it doesn't come down to that being a playing game to the playoffs. I think both teams by the end of the year will be in playoff contention. It might just be who gets to get seeded. So I think this year, with it being in Bozeman, I think that uh, it could be a year that they pull off the four. And I think they might have an outside chance to be pushing for conference champs and be that team that sometimes splits it two, three, four ways at the end of the year. Um, and because of that is why I would take the media poll. But like I said, I don't think there's a huge difference. TJ, what do you think?
2: Yeah, um, it, like you said, there's not a lot of differences in it. Um, but I guess going with that 11-12 switch, uh, I'll go with the media poll. Um, I think Southern Utah is going to make a bigger push this year than Sacramento State, so I think that's going to make a difference. So with that, I'll go with the media poll. Okay, Brian?
3: Man, I'm torn on this because I, I the way I interpret the coach's poll is um, I think Montana has probably – at the very least, equal talent um, to Montana State. Like if you're just an average, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses across the board. Um, and I think that's kind of representative of why in the coaches' poll, Montana's a little bit higher than Montana State, even though uh, Montana State has the obviously favorable schedule. It's not really close um, if you compare those two schedule. Montana, ha- we'll get to that in a separate question, but um, that's that's how I interpreted the coaches' poll. of of people are more or less acknowledging that Montana has a ton of talent returning, you know, last year's team was two plays away from hosting a playoff game. Um, And I I think it's pretty easy to forget that if you're not a Montana fan that, you know, if they, if they don't fumble on the one yard line against Montana state, and if they don't have a late turnover against Portland state, you know, we're talking about how in one year back, Bobby Hauk has just put together this almost miracle in terms of the last like five years or so. Uh, but I will also say that the media poll, and we'll get this and it later. Um, Sac State is Sac State's got a rough road going forward, and I don't know what talent that you would really look at them and say, "Hey, because of their because of their talent, we'll put them above Southern Utah." So I guess I'll probably slightly go with the media poll. Um, Southern Utah, I feel like they have a chance to be a little bit more steady than last year. I, I believe at some point Southern Utah was playing a third string quarterback last year. You know, Ryan Collingwood wrote an article yeah. about how many. fourth string. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Collingwood wrote about the freakish number of QB injuries last year in the big sky. You know, it was around eight starters went down. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna give the media poll, you know, a narrow advantage. Uh but I'm also I do not understand throwing idaho state dead center uh because idaho state had a wretched defense last year what their saving grace was that they had an explosive offense but they don't know who's going to be their quarterback and at this point um you know if they're not clear on that i i can't interpret that as they have a great option left and if unless people are reading idaho state turning this impressive this corner on defense that we don't understand i have no idea uh, how Idaho State is viewed as a you know a se- middle of the second tier team.
0: That's three for the media. Bear tycoon, are you gonna? Are we gonna make this a clean sweep of the coaches' polls, or are you gonna stand and defend it?
1: So it comes down to this: Do you think that? I mean, I, the the difference between Southern Utah and Sac State is is a coin flip, so that's not gonna weigh me one way or the other. What it comes down to is, do you think Montana is better than Montana state? They're four or five. They're obviously both equal. They were super equal last year. I think, you know, Brian's point on Idaho state, them not having a quarterback, neither does Montana state. We don't have clarity about what's going on in that situation. And even once a starter is named, we don't know how he's going to perform. I would give Montana the edge there. And that's where the coaches poll has them. They have them one spot ahead of Montana state. Now that is a bit misleading because Montana benefited from getting a single first place vote in the coaches poll, which gave them a slight edge over Montana state. What we heard is that coach Choate is actually the one who gave them that first place vote. Likely to, you know, get some locker room material, get his guys fired up just to get a grizz, a higher spot. So, Look, I, I think that Montana's better. I had them ranked above Montana State in my preseason poll, and because of that, I'm going to go with the coaches here.
0: So, we do have one coaches' poll. So, we went three to one there. Um, and I think that's a very good point. I, I, I did think that was weird that Montana State had the one first place vote, but we're still below Montana. What all most of the people tuning in here for the tribe from the North Brave and Bold want to know where do you see Idaho finishing? And,. On this one I'll start with Mr. Positivity, the realist, TJ Hopkins, yeah, where do you that's see Idaho you finishing. On. And don't We're... go too into it because we do have an Idaho preview pretty podcast pretty... coming in, but at right now at this moment with time to change as the season approaches.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think it'll be right in the middle of that pack again. Um, I know, you know, last year we had a lot of high expectations going in, so you know, this year kind of being brought down to earth a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it's tough to see them at eight on the, on the, on the pole, but I, I think they have room to move up uh, to you know, win some games and move up. Um, I, I'm thinking like six or five uh, place in, to end out the season, but I know there's more to cover with that later on.
0: Yep, I, I would agree. Uh, Rory, I'm curious to hear your outsider's take on where you see Idaho finishing after we had the realist on? (laughs) Well, I mean,
1: look, I have no skin in this game. I thought Idaho was going to be good last year and was proven wrong almost immediately. Uh, I put them at eight in my poll, in the preseason poll, and I think that's about where they're at. There's nothing to me that that shows that they're going to be significantly better from a talent perspective uh, uh, this year. I mean, granted, I guess they have an easier schedule, but that doesn't having an easier schedule doesn't fix the fact they have a shitty coach or the fact that you have a quarterback who's not very good. So to me, that's, uh, I expect them to be in this like tier with probably Cal Poly um, and Northern Arizona, where it's like, they're fine, but they're not gonna, I'm not too worried about them.
0: Uh, Brian, you, if TJ is the realist, I feel like you're the realist that usually has stats behind your reason. So I'm curious to hear where you have Idaho as well.
3: I have Idaho. they to me they're in the second tier of the conference. Where, you know, every every coach and every player is going to say our goal is the playoffs. I I don't think Idaho at the beginning of the re- season, or at least I don't think the average Idaho fan should presume playoffs are a feasible goal for us. I think our goal should be, we have not exited the playoff race for in the final three weeks. Um, if we're if that's where we're at, I think we should be happy with that as development. The the big news for me which I did get from from showing up to the media days, is, you know, I continually have gone back in the podcasts we have to Idaho averaged... Idaho's season high last year was 31 points. We did, th- we did that twice. And I mean season high against non-D2 D2 teams. Five Big Sky teams averaged 31 or more points, and we only hit that number twice. So if we're not going to score very much, um, and like Roy referenced, you know, I don't think it's being unduly harsh to say on paper, we have one of the least physically talented quarterbacks in the league. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but unless we see like freakish uh, improvement from that injury um, you know, just the stre- arm strength of Mason Petrino and the fact that he isn't actually a running quarterback as in, he gains yards. He, he can scramble to buy a little more time. Um, He's Brett Favre that. tough yeah um I yeah when I, the first time I heard that like I thought of that as a backhanded compliment because I thought it was okay. more the translation was oh he's kind of cute um, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> for Idaho to improve, I think we need the big deal is do we have a better defense this year um, can we can we give up less than 32 and a half points a game when our season high was 31 and the fact that we have you know we have some big big transfers that are coming in. Uh, We also have a ton of new starters. Um, I think there is a chance that our defense is better and our schedule in conference, because that's what matters for us. On paper, our schedule in conference only has us playing one playoff team from last year. Um, So I think we do have a good shot to be in that middle tier and towards the top middle tier, because I just don't agree that Idaho State should be viewed as solid this coming season. And Northern Arizona, it's a huge question of, is Case is going to be the freshman who threw 37 touchdowns and 69% completion percentage? Or is it going to be Case as the junior, who threw 22 touchdowns and 58% uh, completion percentage? Uh, that's the sample size we have of his two full seasons when he wasn't injured. And that essentially reads like two different quarterbacks. You know, One is MVP caliber. One is pretty good, but certainly not what you'd say top four entering the year. Um, so, so you know, until Northern Arizona answers that question, it's hard to give them a vote of confidence. So I think Idaho's got a good chance. If things go well for us, think we have got a good chance of finishing in the top of the second
0: tier. I'm going to kind of agree with you here. If you break this down, you know, into fours or, you know, fives for the top, because I think everybody can agree, Montana, Montana State, Weber, UC Davis, and Eastern are going to be the five teams that are probably battling it out all year. And I don't, I think this year, anyone's going to make that miraculous jump like Southern Utah or Idaho State did for a hot minute last year where they look like they might be in the race or a playoff team. I think, you know, we're probably going to get five playoff teams this year. I mean, maybe we get the CAA six, but you're really going to have to have some teams to blow some things out. And I don't think we have the schedule set up for that. So I think those are probably going to be your five playoff teams pending catastrophic injury at probably Weber State and UC Davis are probably the most set to if injury strikes, feel it. Uh, but I do think there is a chance and I'm obviously, this is the homeboy answer so it kind of stinks to say this that I don't think we get a sixth playoff spot and I could see Idaho finishing sixth. In my mind, I do think, I agree with uh, Brian that I don't think Idaho State should be ranked nearly as high as they are. Um, I think the la- loss of their quarterback is going to be a lot bigger than people are talking about. People forget that Gunnar Amos didn't get the starting job over Mason Petrino and I know there's going to be some People saying, well, that's some politics there. But, you know, he also never won the job over Chad Chalich, who ended up losing the job to Matt. So I, I don't think Amos is necessarily um, as good as people are putting him in as just a fill-in quarterback at Idaho State. I do think NAU is probably the better shot to finish at six over us. But I think the way the season lays out, and we thought our schedule was easy last year, and obviously it turned out that all these teams like UC Davis and Idaho State ended up being good. So I can see Idaho really finishing in that six or seven spot. I do think we're better than the eight seed. But that being said, I don't want to get too big into the big conversation that we'll be having on the Idaho podcast about who will be QB one. Um, but without getting into that too much, I do think we fall somewhere in that six to nine range. But you know, ceiling is I'm hoping we get six. Outside shot, we do really well. The we get six playoff seeds and maybe we make it in problem with that is with wyoming and penn state on the schedule and then a d2 school you know that's pretty much three games off your three games off your schedule two losses one win so you're really only playing like a nine game schedule and i don't think we're gonna have the resume to actually finish in a playoff spot i could actually see if they did get six spots a team like nau finishing seventh actually gonna jump over us but um anybody have any points they want to attack that anybody else said or just Everybody think everyone's right on their opinions. So I want to add just one thing.
1: That sounds right. Good. good.
0: Yeah. Uh, For for the Idaho
3: angle, which is, I think when you're decide when you're checking out, you know, Idaho's season coming up, um, and we're you're trying to bracket where they're at. You know, we we went over, you know, who we think they should jump over, Uh, but I I think there's a couple real question mark games for us. Of, you know, we play Idaho State at home. That's a team theoretically we need to jump. Um, That's our homecoming. That should be a pretty uh, energetic crowd for us at home this year, which um, I I think that on paper, again, gives us the advantage. And also, if you have followed Madison Guernsey on Twitter, he's the Idaho State beat reporter. um, Through spring ball, neither uh, Gunnar Amos or they have a junior college transfer, neither of those two guys really outshone the other, uh, which means, as I interpreted it, unless they have some recruit coming in, we haven't seen play. They just don't have a great, they're going to be taking a pretty big step down at quarterback compared to Tanner Guller last year. And I don't know if they're going to have the, you know, stretch the field ability that maximizes their strong receivers this year. And if they don't have that, I, I don't know how you can say, I don't, they look solid. And then also we close out the year at NAU, you know, how we do in those two games, I think it's going to dictate whether we're flirting with 500 or whether, you know, we're self hating vandals
0: at the end of the year. I know I didn't prep you guys for this. We're going to cover who has the toughest schedule. If you have time while other people are covering it, I also kind of want to cover who you guys think might have the easiest schedule. I know sometimes we kind of covered that in biggest surprise team, but I want to know if you think maybe like a Montana state or an Eastern just has a really easy schedule this year as well, but we'll start with toughest schedule bear tycoon. Who do you think has the toughest schedule this year?
1: Well, in terms of in-conference schedule, I think it's without a doubt Montana. Um, and I know you know Brian's talked about this. We've talked about this offline quite a bit, but they are playing. You know, at UC Davis, Eastern Washington, Weber State, and at Montana State. Those are all the four playoff teams from last year. In addition to that they're playing Idaho State who I think is a you know either in the top half or near the top half of the conference uh and and Idaho who you know is going to be middle of the pack the only conference game uh the only two conference games that they that they should win are both on the road which makes it tougher and it's Sac State and Portland State Portland State of course beat Montana last year so they're playing as tough of a conference schedule as you can get Plus their out of conference schedule is, is also tough playing South Dakota uh, and Oregon on the road. And then two very solid FCS teams in North Alabama and Monmouth. Other than the Sac state game, the Grizz, there's no cupcake on this schedule. In my opinion,
0: I think Montana is definitely one. A lot of people will say, which obviously adds to the stuff that how seemed to have made a big, a lot of moves there, but this year he set up with a little bit more difficult of a schedule. Um, Let's see. I kind of want Brian. Um, who do you think?
3: Sac State, and I have I have two answers here because no one actually cares about Sac State, but I think it's worth knowing, um, mm-hmm. just letting fans know. Sac State has two bye games against Arizona State and Fresno State. Their home schedule in conference is they host Eastern Washington, they host Montana – they host Weber State, and they host UC Davis. They also don't get to play themselves, so that's like a cupcake off the table. But (laughs) they really, Sac State might have one winnable game the entire season, uh, which is maybe at Cal Poly. But their home schedule, which in in theory is the easy part of your schedule, they play nothing but heavy hitters. Um, And then their road schedule, they play... At Montana State, they play, like I said, at Cal Poly, at NAU, and at Idaho. Uh, That's a real long year uh, in Sacramento State. I have no idea how uh, Troy Taylor is going to make people, you know, or make the Sac State fan that shows up not shoot himself at some point. Uh, But of the good teams, it's Montana, no question. They they almost have no week off.
0: TJ, who you got? Tough schedule.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and – I, this is kind of scary, you know, because we started breaking it down earlier and what Rory said already. Um, but I'm going to go with the Vandal schedule this year for the Big Sky. Um, I know we'll break it down a little bit on some different pods, but um, obviously the two FBS teams, Penn State and Wyoming, to start the season is really, you know, going to be a tough start. Uh, we kind of saw that last year when we got put up by Fresno State. But I just feel like every game still is is we need to prove ourselves. You know, we're still not established in this conference yet, so just kind of looking at these teams, you know, it's kind of scary for, you know, they know what it's like to play in the big sky, and we're still kind of, you know, figuring it out. And, you know, to add that Eastern game, that's huge in the Dome, but that's, you know, that's a really good team. Weaver stayed at home. Um, Cal Poly, we still haven't figured out yet. We still haven't seen them yet. And then at Montana. So, you know, I just think it's kind of a, a... proving factor for Idaho is, you know, with this schedule, this is what the big sky is now. And, you know, we got to prove ourselves going through each one of these games, going week by week, and, you know, pull out some wins if we want to, you know, make our name in this conference. And so I think it's going to be pretty tough for us for for this upcoming year.
0: That's definitely an outside-the-box answer. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like most people think Idaho has an easy schedule, but I like your point you made that in theory it's easy if you've seen these teams before – But the only team from last year that we're seeing again is Montana and Idaho State and Portland State, so three. And obviously we played Sac State only like two or three years ago. But I like that. That's an outside-the-box answer. But if I had to answer this, and if you guys bear with me, I think there's actually three teams that I think have tougher schedules than everybody you guys labeled. And I kind of want to hear if you guys agree with me or if you think who has the worst here. But if I'm looking at Cal Poly, Cal Poly has five playoff teams that they're playing from last year. In San Diego, Weber State, Montana State, UC Davis, and Eastern. Not to mention they're also traveling to Oregon State, a Pac-12 team. And to to start the year, they're home against San Diego. Then they're at Weber, at Oregon State, at Southern Utah, home against Montana State, then at UC Davis. That's very difficult. Um, And then the fact that they're also only playing 11 games this year. They're the only team in the Big Sky that didn't get a 12-game schedule. So I think in terms of if you're trying to say difficult schedule in terms of making a playoff push, I think that murderer's row at the beginning where you're playing an FBS team and then four playoff teams off the bat with at Southern Utah in the middle, um, I think that's really painful. And then the fact that you're only playing five home games, I think that's going to be really hard for you to you know, wrap your head around, especially when by the time you play Montana State, people might just not be interested because you might not have a single win. Another team I think has a tough one is UC Davis. They also play five playoff teams from last year in San San Diego. They also play North Dakota State. They're home against Montana. They're home against Weber and they're home against Montana State, which those last three will help them. Um, But they also, like I said, they play that one FBS team in Cal. So they're at Cal. and I know they did well against Stanford last year, but they didn't win that game. And when you say at Cal, at San Diego State, you're home against Lehigh, then at NDSU, home against Montana, you might be lucky to come out of that at, you know, one and four. So that's, like, what's really hard with UC Davis is everyone thinks there's a really good team. But that beginning of their schedule is very difficult, and they could start the year really low. Uh, And then the last team I just want to hit on, um, they also only have five home games, and they're playing seven on the road. And then you have Southern Utah, also plays five playoff teams from last year these are the two the three schools that play five playoff teams from last year they also play an fbs school a winnable one arguably at unlv compared to the other ones but you start the year at unlv so we'll see how that goes then you're at uni um you also have to play at Sandy or two they play two sorry and Sandy or south dakota state and then you're also at weaver home against uc davis and at montana state uh Weber and montana state not being easy places to play having uc davis in your place probably isn't gonna help or hurt but then you end the year at north dakota who's a quiet team that a lot of people have a shot that this might be a playing game for them so i think they kind of have a difficult schedule as well do you guys want to stick with your answers or do you think maybe i hit somebody or out of those three i gave you which one do you think has the toughest game? Gu-
1: I'm not changing my answer. I mean, you make a lot of good points, uh, and I think it just goes to kind of the, the randomness of big, si- big Sky success comes down to uh, your schedule in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, I, I'm not changing my answer for, for Montana just because there's going to be so much on the line every single week.
0: Brian, you like your answers? Uh, so
3: I do but I do think in particular your point about UC Davis um is is interesting you know I just I went through their schedule a second time and I flagged this with Sac State I don't know why I didn't flag this with UC Davis um it seems like it's kind of a gift and a curse for teams to to play your home games against the good teams you know UC Davis is uh their their big sky schedule is they host Montana they have, they host Cal Poly that should be a gimme Then they host Weber, and then they host Montana State. Um, And the reason I say it seems like both a gift and a curse is it does give you potentially a favorable environment against the better teams. Uh, But also just in terms of consistency at home versus on the road, it seems like it also gives you a chance when you play some of the, let's say, mid-tier teams on the road uh, that they will not get your best shot, um, which increases the chance, just like in gambling terms that increases your chance of potentially picking up a loss that you don't think you should have while also making your home schedule pretty tough. Um, So I still think Montana's got the toughest schedule because they almost don't have a week off the entire season. Uh, But UC Davis, I will, I will give you Chris that maybe it's one in one a because UC Davis, yeah, they, they do host now they don't have Eastern on the schedule, which is a huge advantage for them. Uh, but they also play real tough home games um, in addition to pretty rough non-conference.
0: Yeah, going to Fargo is never easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, i actually out of mind would probably pick Cal Poly, but then UC Davis would be my two. And I think those two are very close. Um, really quick, just because it wasn't on and we are starting to get hit our uh, my time marks. Uh, easiest schedule. Does anyone pop out at least anybody?
2: Yeah, that, that Montana State schedule that first half just seems like the, the cruise did that and then you know they really get into their big Sky games until you know late September October and then you kind of find out where they'll you know place in there but yeah I think they have a pretty easy schedule to start.
0: Yeah, I'm probably gonna go with you. Um, I think Montana State has a pretty easy schedule. obviously you host SEMO, which is big and you return that visit to Western Illinois, which they came to you last year um otherwise you don't really have a big losable game other than at North Dakota and NAU in the middle of your schedule but NAU is coming after Norfolk and uh and then you travel to UC Davis at the end of the year and then obviously Montana but they've won the last three years so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt in Bozeman but we'll, we'll see obviously and uh, Rory, do you, who do you think's got the easiest schedule? No,
1: I, I think I agree with you, TJ, that that the Cats have a, a super easy schedule. Um, I mean, we don't know it, it, where these mid-tier teams actually pan out. Will you know? Likely change our minds by the end of the season. But the Cats, right now, I think on paper have the easiest conference
0: schedule. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going
3: to say Eastern's got the easiest schedule. Montana State does have a pretty damn easy schedule, team. but Montana State. They do have a final two weeks of uh, at UC Davis, then versus Montana. Whereas Eastern, if you pen through their schedule, like seriously, once Easterns, once Eastern leaves Jacksonville State, they should be favored in every single game. The only question mark is at is at University of Montana, uh, but Eastern has a chance to essentially have no roadblocks, or if they do have a roadblock and lose at Montana, they then have four real winnable games to close the season out uh, to both, you know, kind of erase the memory of a loss, but also to build, if you think building team momentum by winning matters, uh, their schedule is set up great uh, to close out the year strong. Uh, so I, I just don't know how to look at Eastern's schedule and think they shouldn't
0: be favored to win the league. Other than that, Jacksonville state. And then obviously starting Washington, I do think Eastern has probably the easiest, Schedule, but they challenge themselves out of schedule with Jacksonville State, Idaho, and Washington uh, with a Linwood in the middle. But yeah, I think those two by far, which is scary for the rest of the conference because they should be two players at the end of it. And they do have what looks on paper to be rather favorable matchups. Um, So next one, what is your pick right now for most interesting game of the year? Uh, I would like to do no Cats Grizz because I feel like every year that is... But if somebody really wants it, I'm not going to stop you from saying Cat Grizz. But the game right now that you're putting in your book is this is the Big Sky game that I am definitely going to pencil out and watch even if it's not my team. You want me to go? Yeah, sure, TJ, you can go. Awesome.
2: Um, I, I have one that's uh, conference, to con- or, you know, all Big Sky conference. And I think I have one that's, uh, you know, teams facing other conference. Um, I'm gonna go with Little Brown Stein. Is the game I'm most excited for this year. Um, I think it, you know it's it's a big it's a big game for both teams and like that timing of the season you know coming to the end when you know maybe one of them is making a playoff push so you know it's gonna come down to it. It's awesome that this rivalry's back. Uh, I think the trophy still is freaking awesome. Um, so and I would love to go to Missoula and watch it. So we should definitely do that. And I think out-of-conference, I really like that Eastern uh, versus Jacksonville State game. I think that's kind of a cool test of two of the top teams in their conference. And, and, you know, cross-country, you really wouldn't see them a lot until you saw them in the playoffs. So I think that's a really awesome out-of-conference game that will be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Rory, what do you think?
1: Um, So the one that that jumps out at me is is the same with uh, Eastern and and Jacksonville State. I definitely will be watching that right now. in terms of conference play, the one that I think will be some of the best football is UC Davis playing Weber state uh, in, in October. We haven't really touched on Weber state uh, in depth today, but they are, they were solid last year. They're bringing back a lot of the same team. Um, and, you know, look, I I'm, I'm on the low side of how many playoff teams I think they're going to be. And I think we'll talk about this in a minute, but uh, I, I think, I, I think there'll be a small number of teams and that will, be determined by games like this where some of the best are playing the best in the conference
0: brian what do you think out of conference in conference what are the games you're looking at
3: so the biggest one for me in conference uh is and i i won't be able to watch this game because i'm going to be at the idaho eastern washington game is you know september 28th uh, montana travels to uc davis I think in terms of, you know, we'll be four weeks into the season, so it's not like teams will be finished products, but it's not the same as a week one matchup. Um, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see you know, when we interviewed Bobby Houck, one of the things he talked about was Montana's returning, you know, essentially 87% of their offensive production. They were a young team last year who, in his mind, uh, part of why they struggled to close games was they weren't, in, in his mind, as mentally tough as you'd want your team to be. Um, I think we're going to see on September 28th if Montana is going to be a team that's going to compete for the playoffs, considering their real rough schedule um, in terms of how they handle UC Davis. If they they beat UC Davis or at least look real good against UC Davis, I think we're going to learn that Montana is relatively speaking back Uh, But if they repeat last year, you know, last year they hosted UC Davis. They hung with UC Davis for three quarters, then gave up, I think, 36 points in the fourth quarter, uh, which is like the biggest collapse I've ever heard um, in football. Um, You know, what I think we're going to find out is, is this Montana team realistically going to be competing for a playoff spot or not? Uh, Non-conference, you know, I think UC Davis at North Dakota State, just to say something uh, that other people haven't, because I am interested in Eastern at Jacksonville State, but UC Davis at North Dakota State's a real interesting one, too. North Dakota State is a program. Uh, you know, they 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 don't rebuild. They reload. You know, that's the term we use for programs that are solid. Uh, but they're losing a ton. Um, they graduated. I don't I don't remember the number of seniors, but I, I heard the numbers, you know, around what, like, Eastern Washington did, including, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS last year, Easton Stick. He's gone. Um, I don't know what they have that – This year coming in, it's a new coaching staff. Uh, So, you know, another question for everyone is North Dakota State, even though they had a ton of turnover, they're still, you know, a top five team to everyone. Hey, we're going to see how this top five team looks against another top 10 team um, before the conference schedule begins. I think that's real interesting.
0: Yeah, I was going to you. I thought I was about to be able to do it. I was going to do UC Davis at NDSU as well. Um, But just to give everybody a a bigger slate of games to keep their eye on, out of conference, I'm going to go Montana State versus SEMO. They're hosting them. Obviously, SEMO made the playoffs last year. I think it would have been a great playoff matchup, and these two could very likely play each other again in the playoffs this year. Um, So you might get to see the prequel to the playoff matchup, um, week two for Montana State. Uh, So I'll go with them playing SEMO. And then in conference, I'm actually going to say Montana at Eastern. Uh, Bobby Houck had a lot of good luck against Eastern, and Eastern's role didn't really start till Houck had left. And I think he's going to have a lot of bulletin board material. I think he's going to show a lot of old highlights. You know, because when he around, was around, it wasn't really a rivalry. That rivalry has kind of been a big—it's kind of like Idaho and Boise State was, where one team went on a roll and was really good, and the other team kind of went on a roll after. And I think Bobby Houck, this might be the year they get them back on the Inferno— um, and I know that's a root sports game so I think that one's the one I'm most excited about in conference, um, other than obviously, cats mm-hmm. Um How many Big Sky playoff teams do you guys think we're getting, TJ?
2: Yeah, I mean this is always the argument, um, I know it's, it's kind of different with how they pick the seating for uh, the FCS playoffs, but um, I'm just going to keep it s- simple this time, and I think it's just going to be top three um, I think the FCS across the country has some really good teams this year, so um, they have a lot of teams to factor in and, and seed there, so I think it's just going to be those top three teams, depending on who
0: it is in the Big Sky, will make it. Um, let's see here, Brian. How many teams do you think are going to make? You go it? with a hot
3: take. I think it's five. You know, I listened in the, in the commissioner yeah, interview. Uh-huh. You know, which we sat in on. Uh, Tom Listersill commissioner, he said that he thinks the size of the league is a strength. I disagree, but the strength, the way I would interpret it as a strength, is when the best teams don't play each other they don't hurt each other's records and we've already gone over how there's a handful of teams that don't really play each other so let's say montana's good and picks up a couple wins against like an eastern washington and uh montana state even if they lose you know against uc davis and weaver um the rest of the team th- those four teams other than montana are still fine schedule wise so I'm going to say because the teams, the best teams, don't all play each other, which means the best teams have more winnable games. I'm going go five.
0: Bear Tycoon, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I'm going. uh, I'm going. I'm going same as last year, going four. I think we have a clear top three, um, and in Weber, Eastern, and UC Davis. Um, And I, you know, I don't know if we can lock them in, but I feel pretty confident. Um, And then someone like it's either you know the Cats are going to run their easy schedule. Someone like Northern Arizona is going to surprise us, have a good year or Montana is going to embrace their tough schedule and get a lot of wins. Um, I think it's four at the max. Um, I don't think we can get, get to five. Um, and I know Chris, you were talking earlier about six. That is just super, super optimism on your part, trying to get Idaho in there. Um, big sky conference for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to get a lot of love from the playoff committee. Um, and you know both in terms of scheduling and in terms of number of teams in so i you know i'm i'm between 3 and 4 but i'll go with 4
0: all right see i was going to do 5 but now i feel like i need to defend my 6 um i could actually see 6 so i'm going to i'm actually going to lay out an argument now i don't actually think we get 6 i think 5 is probably the better number but an argument for why i could see us getting 6 is the CAA last year Everyone was very hot on the CAA. They got those six bids. Everyone was talking about how miraculous that was. And then most of them flopped out. Then when you look at the Big Sky, we had teams make it really deep. I mean, other than Montana—I know they were seeded, but other than Montana State, who had to play the eventual national champion in the second round, the Big Sky had a really good showing for the first time in a while as a a whole conference in the playoffs last year. So I think they already—the playoff selection committee has already— set the standard that they're okay giving six if they think that conference has six good teams that beat each other up. And with the big sky, I think we definitely, as we talked about, we have the five schools that I do think are going to make it this year in Montana, Montana State, Weber, UC Davis, and Eastern. And I do think a team like NAU or heck, even like a Sac State or Portland State really makes that surprise run that somebody does every year. And they may be finished third in the conference because the other teams do beat themselves up a bit. And I think you have to give that team a reward and then you get the other team. So I think maybe we get two seeded, but then we get four unseeded teams that could make it in just because the top guys kind of beat themselves up enough that one of these random teams with an easy schedule sneaks in. Um, Like I said, probably five. But I I do think there's a shot we have six based on how the CAA did last year compared to how the Big Sky did last year where all four of their teams outperformed. Um, including Eastern, who was not expected to go to the championship game. So I think the conference really said, hey, if you're going to give one conference some more love, and obviously we know the Missouri Valley is pretty much just the Dakotas. Um, I I know Illinois State and them are always up there, but um, I I think there's an outside shot we get six. I'm going to go five, though. I think most people around the country do think that, as we mentioned, those top five schools are pretty much a lock this year pending just falling apart. But with that – I mean, I kind of already said, what, five five to six schools. I think are going to make the playoffs. I'm wondering who you guys think might be our playoff teams based on how you guys just picked it right there. So let's start with Brian. How many teams do you – based on how many spots you thought were going to be in the playoffs, who are your okay, teams? Okay, so my today? number was
3: five. I think Eastern, UC Davis, and Weaver should be considered blocks at this point. My other two are Montana and Montana State. They both have question marks of – You know, Montana's got a rough schedule. Montana State, like, it really does matter that we have no idea who their quarterback is. Um, And in terms of teams who could stumble early, Uh, Montana State, of the good teams, is a great candidate. Uh, But those are my five. Eastern, UC Davis, Weber, Montana, Montana State. Bear Tycoon? I went over my my three and then
1: gave a a sampling of of, uh, who could be the fourth. I'll go with Montana. Um, It's the homer pick, but I also just have... A lot of faith in in this offense that they're bringing back and this team that they're bringing back. Last year they had they had some bad luck, but I do think that they are a top team in the Big Sky. So I think they will be the fourth pick, and I think the Cats and Idaho State and others will be looking from the outside.
2: TJ, oh yeah, the the top three locks for sure: Eastern, UC Davis, and Weber State. Um, I think Montana State could possibly get in there. Um, I know I said three earlier, but you know I could I could see a fourth as well. And I honestly, I think UC Davis has a good shot this year to to make a strong push towards that uh, postseason and get to the championship. I'm really excited to see how Meyer does, um, and I think they have a good shot. All
0: right, last question for those who attended Big Sky kickoff special this year. Sorry, TJ. It's Okay. Um, who was your guys's favorite interview? And I do kind of want to break it down to coaches and players because I feel like both are you're expecting different things and you probably get different answers. Brian, I'm gonna start with you because I know you and I both did a lot of interviews together. So I'll have you start, um, and then I'll I'll finish, and we'll put Bear Tycoon in the middle. So, who who are your favorite players? And yeah, uh, so favorite players, interviews. no question. Um, and I promise this is not a homer pick. It
3: was Idaho's players, Lloyd Hightower and Noah Johnson. And what I loved about them is that they they gave effortlessly specific answers. Um, as in, we didn't have to actually try that much for them to give us information we wouldn't have known otherwise. And the big the big takeaway that I was interested in, um, other than something I already referenced, which is that we essentially have a completely new defense. And other than losing Caden Ellis and, and Hall, that's probably a good thing that we have a new defense. Um, Hightower and Johnson talked about the difference between the Sun Belt and Big Sky in very, very specific language. And what Noah Johnson said is he felt that there was the Sunbelt athletes were like minimally better than the big sky. Not much, Um, but in the big sky, the sophistication of the schemes that he faced was way higher and way more difficult in the big sky than what he'd seen in the Sunbelt. Lloyd Hightower, he he told me he didn't actually think there was an athleticism uh, difference at all. Um, it was more that big sky teams passed the ball a lot more and Idaho got burned in the past the entire year. Uh, but I really like listening to those guys because they I mean one, Idaho sounds like we are taking the big sky, at least the players like this isn't a disappointment anymore. um, you know, we got killed last year. it we have to we have to show up as a team taking this seriously every single snap or we're gonna get walked on for the reasons we saw last year and like we, Like Noah Johnson said, like this, there's some really sophisticated coaching that goes on the big sky that maybe fans just don't wholly understand. Um, And as far as coach interviews, my favorite was Bobby Hauck because one, uh, I had heard from multiple sources, Bobby Hauck has a reputation uh, for being, um, let's say less than pleasant. And um, I know media days, it's easy to, you know, coaches can probably prep to not look like a jackass the whole time. Um, But, you know, he, he was fun when we, when he interviewed us, he joked around a little bit. Uh, He also gave some specifics. I liked as well about what he thought was different about Montana that both um, in terms of the context he inherited in his second round as a coach, not Montana. He did talk about uh, what was different this time around versus last time. um, And he also talked about some of the developments that he expects. We will now see in the upcoming season, uh, which, you know, that was refreshing and that we, we didn't have to really
0: mine for details. He just gave them. All right, Bear Tycoon, you got around to just about everybody. So I'm really curious on your answer. Favorite coach, favorite player?
1: Yeah, I liked – so players – I was just going for, like, whose game to kind of yeah, talk about some off-the-wall subjects. The, the Portland State guys um, were a ton of fun. I had a great interview with them. Um, and I, I had a great interview with, um, uh, uh, co- uh, with Nip from, uh, Northern Colorado as we, we bonded over my boy, Brock Osweiler. So he, he was fun as well. Um, in terms of coaches the you know, I, I had great talks with both Montana teams, but, um, just for the sake of this pod and, and it's, it's the truth. I really got to kick out of coach fantasy from Idaho state. Uh, He said he had five minutes. We ended up talking for probably like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. He was very open um, and he has had a great attitude about kind of the whole media day. There were some folks there who were definitely above the media day, which is hilarious. Um, But uh, Fennessey's super happy to be there and we had a great conversation.
0: I'll just roll off what you said. Rob Fennessey was probably my favorite coach. Um, I will say I was most intimidated to talk to Paul Petrino and turned out to have a great conversation with Paul. But Fennessey, there's something Rob Akey-esque about him. And it struck me. I know Brian and I talked about this pretty much right away. But if you guys don't know, Rob Fennessey is the Idaho State coach. Go look up some of his interviews. I swear to God, he is the reincarnation of Rob Akey. Um, and we got some stuff we'll break down for you on the Idaho Preview Podcast. I know Wax Party Pants will be ex- excited about. And the secret's out, but we won't ruin it for everybody else. Uh, but Rob Fennessey was a great coach interview. Um, Just like you sat down and all the tension in the room was gone. Uh, He's easy to talk to. It didn't feel like an interview as much as it did just a back-and-forth conversation. As far as players, um, it was close for me between Noah Johnson and Lloyd Hightower and then uh, Sweeney and Cookus for Northern Arizona. Those guys were so much fun. And Brian and I had a, I won't say what team, but the players we interviewed beforehand were you couldn't get anything out of. Um, they're all scripted they didn't really seem to be happy to be there um, so we were kind of like oh the players aren't gonna be as fun as we thought it was the interview and then we go over and talk to the NAU guys and it was a blast we ended up spending like 20 minutes with them and we talked to Kukus about his targeting penalty last year and he got a kick out of it and said like you know it's funny to look back at now um, but and then Sweeney is just very well spoken he explained everything really well. He had like purpose behind everything he was saying, and he was a great interview. And I learned that I believe he's only a sophomore or junior too, so he's young, um, which is good for NAU. And then obviously Cook is probably one of the best NFL draft picks coming out of the Big Sky this year. So getting just the chance to sit down and talk to him and discuss kind of the injuries and every you know his blast onto the scene early, and then kind of the fade he's had due to injuries and everything else. Um, it was a really candid conversation, and I respected that a lot. But also the Idaho State guys were pretty great. But I'll go with uh, Cookis and Sweeney for players, and then Rob Fennessy for sure for coach. and um, With that, are you a fan of light loggers? Have you ever tried a Montucky cold snack? Montucky cold snacks are not only a refreshing, fun, active, outside lifestyle-encompassing light lager, but they are, their core values are centered around giving back to the communities. Montucky Cold Snacks gives 8% back of all their profits to local causes. That means you can help make the world a better place by enjoying an ice-cold cold snack. You can find them all over the United States, especially here in Big Sky Country. It's the perfect beer to tailgate with, or in our case, record a podcast with. It's our go-to beer. Head over to montuckycoldsnacks.com to learn more about this amazing company and find where you can get Montucky Cold Snacks by you. Montucky Cold Snacks, officially official beer of Tufts of the Club. First first ad read. Hope it went well. Uh, All right. Now that we're going to move into that, to Corner School Takes. Now, Rory, I think we had Hot Take Nate on last year. I don't think we had you on, um, which is perfect because this whole segment is based on hot takes. We just call them Corner... Dual takes. I want everybody to give me one outrageous take that you kinda believe, but you don't really want to say out loud. And to give it an example, we'll give it the coolest take taker of all times, TJ yes. Hopkins, the lead us off.
2: Thank you for the start on this. I know you love my hot takes.
0: Your I'm gonna cool go takes.
2: With, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the big sky will win four games against FBS teams this year.
0: Are you confident enough to label those for us? Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I just, just looking at a few, uh, I think Weber State has a chance to beat uh, Nevada or San Diego State. I would love it if Portland State went down to Boise State and beat them in Boise, Idaho. Um, Montana State going to Texas Tech, you never know. You True. Could expect that, yeah. and then Idaho pull out a Wyoming win right there. You think we're gonna beat Wyoming? Four FBS wins right there. And
0: Boise's a state now. I'm confused. Yeah. Anyways.
2: Anyways, um, sorry. All right, I'll junior, take it. Junior college. I'll take it.
0: You you had you have some ones in the bag. I like you that. <laughs> you were you were prepped for that one. um Rory, so now that you kind of get how it's going, uh, I want to hear a hot bear tycoon take.
1: Yeah, well, I, this is something I, I actually believe, and I think that it's Idaho won't have more than uh, – uh, I think they will have three wins uh, against, against FCS or FBS opponents. So I'm not counting Central Washington, but I think Idaho ends the year with four total wins.
2: I might be heating up. Man, i I'm might not... be heating up in here. <laughs> Jeez.
0: Um. Brian, I'm actually gonna have you go next. What's your okay? Just for clarification, are these
3: supposed to be like? Is this like the self-conscious hot take that I have that I like? I prefer no one actually knows, or like, is are these hot takes I believe in?
0: Hmm. You pick. I'm not gonna. Give you parameters on. That. I think Whichever I think you, you should think do. Would enjoy I think
1: more. you should do the one that you don't want anyone to know about.
0: That seems like that's true. I agree, yeah. actually. You yeah, already, you already put like, that out there because you've got to kind of believe it okay. if you don't want people to know it, right? So okay, my, my
3: self conscious hot take. Um, it it's almost not. I don't. It's almost not even a hot take. It's more that um, I truly do not care about football outside of Big Sky Conference football now at Idaho's in and WSU. So I truly don't pay attention to any teams other than those. And I truly am also a real fan of Montana and Eastern Washington. And my hot take into this year is I think it is important for the conference that Montana is good enough that heading into the Eastern game I want Montana to beat Eastern because I think Montana has a chance to be the better uh, team out of those. I think it's real important for Montana to be good this year. Um, not just for Montana fan base because they're active, but I my hot take is I believe this conference is a significantly more interesting conference to fans when Montana is in the discussion of being better than everyone because everyone thinks Montana's their rival. And I think all fans should root for Montana to be as good as they can possibly be. All right. I like it. Um,
0: I ju- yeah, I actually agree with you on that. Um, so that was a good one. That was the one you were hiding inside. Yeah, right? well,
3: because I'm an Idaho <laughs> fan and Eastern and Montana are, you know, rivals for us, um, it is, I sometimes don't know how open I'm allowed to be that I truly am a Montana and Eastern fan, Idaho first. But like, if Idaho's not going to be good, like last year in the Idaho-Montana game, you know, I, my view was, I, I really, like, again, I'm an Idaho fan. But I feel like Idaho had some flaws that had to be exposed. So if Idaho's not going to win, I want them to lose by 40 to Montana um, so that we, we can see exactly what the actual problems are, which I believe we did. And we'll talk about in the next podcast, of course, about what the implications of that are. Um, but yeah, like I, like I am a big fan of those schools. And I think other people, even if you think they're rivals, you should want those programs, especially Montana, to be good for the conference to have more credibility, and for game environment to be more energetic. My,
0: I've misread my own one, so I had to do one on the fly here. I said on the conference this year. I have one nationally, but we have a podcast coming out on the 8th of August that I can give that one. Um, I will actually give that I don't think Eastern actually finishes in the top two. I think they finished third this year. Now, I don't know if it's Montana State making the move or Weber, but I think one of those two schools will finish second. And I think UC Davis, like I already said, wins it. I know they have Eric Berrier coming back, but they don't get enough negative um, press about how they lost a lot of players, they lost a lot of coaches, and I, I think that's going to affect them. And they do have the easy schedule. But I think maybe that goes to their head a little bit. I do think they're probably the second best team in the conference, which I want to specify, but I'm not necessarily convinced they'll finish second or first. I think. So can I give
3: third. a different version of that real quick? Um, I think like the check. way I would align with that is that by the end of the season, Eastern will likely be the most overrated Big Sky team, but it's because they will have essentially played no one. So we don't have – it's going to be hard for us to verify, like, are they are they good because they're just talented and their talent is destroying smaller teams? Or do they look good because they weren't challenged after Jacksonville State except maybe once at Montana? Uh, and you're right. They, Eastern gets essentially – it gets very little um, crit, critical press or or, you know, people don't view Eastern in a way where you – look at the you know negative side of their potential performance. So I think there's a great chance Eastern is significantly overrated
0: uh, compared to the other
3: strong Big Sky teams at the end
0: of the year. So maybe mine wasn't that big of a cornerstone take, but I'll stand by it on the fly there. Cool. Now we're coming to the hashtag AskTATC, uh, in which case for everybody that is new, this is where you can interact with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTATC for any game or any podcast, and we'll ask you, or answer your questions live on the air. Only difference this year will be, one, Brian Marceau, the king asker of hashtag AskTATCs, is gonna be on pretty much every pod. So we really need you guys to step up. And two, we're only gonna pick two this year. Last year, they kinda started to run on a bit and answer a lot of the previous questions. Um, so with this one out, we're just gonna answer one. And this one comes from Martin, uh, Heimstra, obviously, at Hemi underscore 71, also part of Tubs at the club. How would you guys rank the Big Sky Dome stadiums? So that's obviously Idaho, Idaho State, NAU, and just because we're still have them here technically quasi, I'm going to throw North Dakota in there. I want to have you rank them um, based on their domes. And for this, let's start with Brian, since you're the king hashtag-ass TTC-er. Mm-hmm. Let's have your take I on this? I think
3: the most uh, beautiful dome in terms of let's say you know architecture is uh, walk up Sky Dome uh, just from the inside. I'm not. I'm also not really counting the outside of domes because they they all look essentially the same. Yeah, the inside. Um, inside I, room, I actually yeah. think that there's some some interesting architecture at the walk up Sky Dome. Um, so I would put that as number one. I will put. Um, the Kibbe Dome at number two. Now, I don't think the Kibbe Dome is a particularly interesting dome. Um, it's more that Idaho State's Holt Arena, like just everything you could, everything you might critique about the Kibbe Dome, Idaho State manages to be a worse version of that. You know, for example, the alignment of the field is correct in at the Kibbe Dome, whereas it's kind of it's in Holt Arena, it's perpendicular relative to the way you'd expect it to be. Also, Idaho is at least smart with how we use our dome for other events in that we have those curtains that partition uh, the the unused seats. You know, when Idaho State's not using Holt Arena for basketball anymore, mercifully, because what they used to do is they just throw a basketball court in the middle of the dome, and then they roll in some bleachers. But everything else is exposed. So they could have 5,000 people there, and it's still less than half capacity for a basketball game. Uh, So Holt Arena is – and also, man, the, the coloring inside Holt Arena—it looks like it just hasn't been redone in 30 years, probably because it hasn't been redone in 30 years. Um, I can't tell you about North Dakota because I just haven't looked it up. I haven't looked it up enough. But uh, strong push for Holt Arena last, and because the inside architecture is a little more beautiful, of walk-up, I put them at number one.
0: TJ, yeah,
2: uh, I I'm going off of. TV viewing of these domes, uh, so um, walk-up is beautiful, they have a great setup that you can actually watch the games on. Um, the Vandals got one game, two games en route last year? Both Only one at home. One man. at home, right, On route. Um, so we got a little glimpse of that with Montana. There's still some things to work out, I think, with the broadcasting through there and filming those games there, but it looked great. Um, There's was also a pack that helped. Um, so I, I think I'd rank that two um, Idaho State watching that game was painful right? so, to, to see that camera angle you couldn't see half the sideline when the guy went out of bounds you, you didn't know what yard line it was on because you couldn't see that yard line. So I would put that um, last and yeah what was the other one? North Dakota? North Dakota. Uh, yeah and just you know it, it, they are
0: now a real in a real conference so. <laughs> Oh, we're the real conference, yeah. but uh, Bear Tycoon, where do you have the dome stadiums in the Big Sky rank? I frankly, frankly think it's a,
1: a an awful question. It's like asking, <laughs> <laughs> it's like asking, you know, what's the what boat looks best in someone's driveway? Like who gives a shit? Like you, are northern mm-hmm. football teams who should be playing outside. I I think they're all terrible. They all tie for last place. Take the roof off and let's have some outdoors. There you football.
2: go. Hey, I mean, it's always, it's always 60 degrees there, you know? It could be snowing,
0: it could be cold outside, it could be nice. It could be domes always 60. It's, it's 60 on the <laughs> inside. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, I'm actually like Rory, and I actually hate domes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, weird, I went to a dome school. But uh, I, if I had to rank them, I actually think Idaho's is by far better. I know that just sounds fanboy on the podcast, but if, as someone who hates domes, Having those windows where you let in natural light is so big for me. As someone who was there before they put those windows in, and it felt like you were in an effing cave, like, having the windows has done a huge difference. I mean, now we don't play as many night games, which kind of stinks, but I don't think in the big sky that would have mattered anyways. Now that we're not in the FPS, all our games are going to be day anyways. So having all day games, having those windows, plus the Bud and June Ford Center is better than anything at the other three. Um, Other than maybe North Dakota, so I would easily put Idaho 1. With that, I do think North Dakota and NAU are very close for 2nd and 3rd. I'm probably going to go North Dakota just because it was built to have other stuff happen in it. Um, NAU, though, is a beautiful dome. It's a little lower on capacity. I think it's on the 12,000 side. Um, But, yeah, I do think as far as a dome, it feels a lot like the Tacoma Dome. It just feels like a big, bubbly dome, Mm -hmm. or at least the Kibbe Dome. that has a little bit of character. And if we're talking strictly character, Idaho State is all character, no functionality. That dome is, it's got the, you know, they used to have the oddly colored seats to make it look like people were sitting there, and, and some of them were like pink, so it didn't make any sense anyways, but awful, awful dome. I would actually say Idaho State might have the worst dome in college athletics, not to mention how Brian pointed on the field goes the wrong way in it, and they modeled it after the Kippy Dome, and somehow the architect put the field the wrong way, and then you have this weird gap after the bleachers where you can just there's like a driveway on all four sides, and not to say that the Kibbe Dome's great, I don't think either of these domes are top domes by any means, but uh, I do think that when you put the Kibbe Dome up against the other three, it's by far the better one. Um, next question, moving on to getting iced. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, this is the segment where our guests get to ask the Tubs of the Club staffers any question, they can be sports-related or life-related. Um, but as we were planning on having Ryan Foley from the R&R CatCast on, and he is off, that means we just have Bear Tycoon start with Rory. Sorry, Bear Tycoon. But we've bounced back a lot in this podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> All the same, um, you guys are in an interesting spot in that you know football program's gone from FBS to FCS. It It allows you to reflect back on... Um, kind of the importance of football so i'll ask you this do you think idaho vandal football players should be paid
0: uh i will start with this um i've always been a big believer that your scholarship does have a dollar value to it in education however that being said i do think you should be able to make money off your likeliness if that makes sense i don't think Schools should be able to offer salaries or contracts necessarily to players. Um, but I think maybe a capped system where, for instance, obviously you obviously your mind goes to Alabama and LSU and the schools like that. But as far as the big sky is concerned, it would be schools like Idaho, Montana, Montana State, whose players would be getting the best chance at stuff like this. Now, I think if EA Sports wants to make a video game and your number height position is all correct, her hometown, I think you should get paid however much they're willing to pay every athlete, same as Alabama, as to Idaho, or NAU, I think you should be able to make money off that because that's something that's going to everybody. It doesn't matter what school you're at. Where it gets dicey is, like I said, where let's say Pullman Ford wants to have Mason Petrino take a picture and put on a big billboard. Now, should you be getting money for stuff like that? Because then you go to these other schools where – A lot of Idaho alumni, Montana alumni own a lot of businesses throughout their states. So that's a little bit added benefit to where in Eastern Washington, for example, or Southern Utah, maybe there's not as many alumni that own businesses. So if you go to those bigger schools, you're going to have more opportunity at that. But I think things where it's capped like EA Sports pays everybody the same amount, or maybe there's a capped amount that you can gain from using your likeliness on a billboard or radio ad with a business uh, for all schools from Alabama down to Southern Utah. I do think that's something that needs to happen, um, but I don't think it should be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. I I'm talking more ten to twenty thousand dollar range tops, probably ten, but that's where I would go with um, paying players at least pay for play. Uh, yeah, TJ. That
2: I mean, it is a tough to, you know conversation to have, and I think. One big point to look at it is: Are we really going to give you know all this money to eighteen-year-old kids? You know that's twenty-two-year-olds. Well, I mean, maybe by then they could or figure it Cookies, out. Or Case Cookis,
0: who's like thirty-nine. But
2: it, you know, it's a tough system too because you know some players do a lot more for not only the team but the community as well, and you know other players just kind of sit back and just do their career. You know, if if Caden Ellis did all these things for the community, showed up to schools, you know, showings and everything like that. You know, he does deserve something. He did a lot for Moscow and for the program, I think, to, just to start in the FCS compared to maybe a third-string running back who is just, you know, trying to get on the field and, and focusing on football. So I think it's kind of a there's, – there's two different ways to look at it for, one, you know, are we willing to give these young kids money, and two, who does it go to?
3: So the answer about should they be paid uh, – this is separate from likeliness – I tend to think that when people talk about this, they don't consider ramifications outside the sport. And they they kind of view it as like, this is the smaller version of the NFL and they contribute so they should be paid because of Title IX. Like if if these guys are paid, let's say a minimum wage, um, we're talking billions every single year because it's not just the football players. It is every single athlete at that school, both uh, men's and women's sports, would have to be paid the same. And I don't think it's feasible at this point to pay unless again, the NCAA is going to give a ton of money to a lot of schools. Idaho's already got a revenue issue. You know, Washington State has a significantly uh, bigger revenue issue than Idaho in terms of having a deficit. And, you know, how like who is going to give the schools the money to pay to pay every single athlete, the same amount of money. That's a real question. And I've never heard anyone answer how every single athlete, because of Title IX, and I don't think that's a bad thing. uh, If you're going to pay a football player, you got to play a tennis player, you got to play a golf player, you got to pay a gymnast. Um, That's a huge amount of cash that I have never heard anyone explain um, how that would actually work and whether that stays isolated to D1 or does that go through all NCAA universities? Because then we're talking down to D3. That's a lot of people um, and a lot of institutions that don't actually make very much money. Um, So I just don't think it's feasible to pay the athletes in a way that a lot of people think it is Uh, in terms of likeliness. I guess I'd be like, Chris, you you said if there's a hard cap on what people can receive, I guess I'd be a little more open to that partially because it also allows for, it is fan engagement uh, when like EA sports can put out their, you know, their, their NCAA football game, and you know who the players are Um, and I'd be fine with people getting a uniform, Uh, version of compensation because that is that is a unique setup for both um, how people be paid and why they'd be paid. Um, I don't mind something like that. I I wouldn't support likeliness in terms of like, you know, autographing um, your, uh, you know, jerseys, things like that, uh, just because suddenly that that opens up a great route um, to be abused by, you know, both coaches, players or handlers, that we know some of these rules are already abused and I just don't think we need to give them an autobond to abuse. Um, so in, yeah, in short, I guess the likeliness makes sense. I I think it is just not close to feasible uh, to pay the athletes any sort of regular wage, considering how wide we'd actually be compensating people.
0: Rory, I am going to open this one up to you if you want to answer it. I know usually these aren't just for us, but since you did ask us a very big question in college athletics today, what do you think? Do Grizz players deserve to be played? Yeah.
1: No, I I, I think they do. And it, I, in terms of how you structure it, like Brian really kind of hit the nail on the head of it's just the school's paying for it. Cause it's going to cost billions. I think you can create some system where, you know, their players are allowed to get endorsements um, separate from the school endorsements. I think you can make it where the boosters can pay. Um, and that, you know, would obviously benefit the school's like, Montana and Idaho and Eastern compared to like Northern Arizona where they don't have a great uh, alumni base, but um, you kind of let the, the market decide and I, you know, it's bullshit that these players are making so much money for the school. They're over 18 years old. Um, they should be able to, to, to make money for both what it is that they do on the field and just kind of owning their, their likeness.
0: I think we all kind of hit a very controversial topic on the head there, but moving on to a special segment based on TJ's recommendation last week, welcome to the very first edition of TJ's Wing Stop. name is pending, based on 77%, there's only 30 votes, so I get too excited, Uh, want yes to wings, 23% of people, I was one of them, said no to wings, so with that... We officially have TJ's Wings stop. Now we have stuff built in for you throughout the year. Appreciate it. However, since we have Rory on, and we do have listeners from Montana, Rory, best place in the state of Montana. You're from the Montana Mint. You're supposed to know everything about the Treasure State. Where is the Treasure Stop for Wings in the state of Montana?
2: Well put.
1: It is. I do know everything about Montana, um, so thank you. Um. <laughs> My hometown, Great Falls, Montana, not only has the best pizza place in the state in Howard's Pizza. Howard's has the best wings in the state. Uh, they're a little unique, so they're not the traditional uh, wing. They're uh, they're a sauceless wing, um, but they spice them perfectly. It's, if you're looking for something with a lot of heat, this is not them. But they are they are a hometown favorite, and uh, you know I'd wager their chances against. Anyone else in the state on a blind taste
0: test. All right. Well, on our leaderboard here, uh, we borrowed Pro- producer Jerry from you. He has marked up them as our number one contender for the year right now. We will see <laughs> as the season goes on. A little dry
2: rub action.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and with that, we are aiming for – we're about to get to closing the bar, but we are aiming to have two ad reads per episode. Um, so we're going to give you an example ad read of the Vandal Scholarship Fund because if you're to promote something for free, there's nothing better to promote. Mm-hmm. But do you love Vandal Athletics? I mean, who doesn't love seeing the women's soccer team beat BSU in a packed dome? The volleyball team beat all the California schools. The basketball teams winning conference tournament games. The football team making the FCS playoffs or winning a bowl game. More importantly, who likes to see Vandal student athletes be successful on the field and in the classroom? Believe it or not, these are all things that you can help with. The Vandal Scholarship Fund is a way to give directly to the athletic causes Supporting the people that need it the most, our student athletes. Did you know we have one of the best supported scholarship funds in the big sky? And part of the reason is we make it so easy for you to donate. You can do it online. You can write a check and mail it in. Or you can get in touch with one of your multiple local Vandal Scholarship chapter members. Every little bit helps. So go donate to the VSF today and continue Idaho's legacy of leading. All right, now with that, we're down to closing the bar, which is a reminder for people to join FCS Fans Nation's Facebook page or follow them on Twitter so you can join their Pick'em Challenge. That's $10 this year. You pick; They pick like six to eight games every single week. You can pick them. The winner gets all the cash. 50% goes to charity. 50% goes to you. Last year, the winner took over $200. But as an added bonus, Tubbs at the club this year, thanks to the help of Montucky, will be offering a side... So if you sign up and you let us know and tweet us at Tubs of the Club or myself on Twitter or Brian or Sean, we will get you on our personal list and the top placed Vandal will get a bundle of Tub tokens to be used at the Corner Club. So if you sign up, we will confirm with them. Make sure you let us know and we will be adding you to our list and keep track throughout the season who the highest placed Vandal picker on the FCS Nation's Pick'em Challenge is. So make sure you... Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at FCS Fans Nation and join their Pick'em Challenge. Also, we have our guest from the Big Sky Podcast Network on today. So make sure you follow at Big Sky Podcasts um, to be part of the BSBN developments and receive content throughout the season. We have a lot of stuff planned for you guys. If you like this podcast, we're going to have a podcast very similar to something like this every single week. So that's a reason right there to follow us alone on Twitter. But you can get all that content right here on Tubs at the Club as well. So you don't need to subscribe to anybody else's podcast unless you really like what they're saying. We encourage you to go check out their podcasts, like the Montana Mint Sports Pod. So with that, Montana Mint Sports Podcast. Rory, why don't you give us a quick synopsis of what you guys do and why they should go give you guys a follow and add them to their podcast yeah. stream. So we have
1: a couple shows in our stream. One's focused just on the Grizz, the Grizz Fan Pod, um, hosted by three... Uh, alums of the school who do a tremendous job. I co-host Montana Mint Sports uh, show with my, with uh, Hot Take Nate, who's a real son of a bitch. And we you know, we talk Grizz Cats mostly, but we also, uh, I think, have a pretty big picture, Big Sky. So if you're looking for some more of that Big Sky content, um, we would be happy to give it to you. You can check... Us out on Twitter at MT Mint Sports and me at Bear Tycoon.
0: So, you guys know all about Brian from listening to his basketball podcast. TJ is back on the football podcast. This is going to be your crew going forward for the football season. Next week, or next podcast in two weeks on August 8th, we will have our FCS preview. So, the whole nation's big picture. We'll have our friends from the FCS Fans Nation on, nice. the guys we just explained to you. Uh, so, make sure you tune in August 8th for that. Um, otherwise. If anybody has any closing remarks, thanks for the votes, you guys. TJ's wing quarter. There you go. <laughs> uh, make sure you go check out Bear Tycoon and the rest of the Montana Mint Sports Podcast and Grish Band Pod on Twitter and their streams. Otherwise, it is time for the best band in all the land, The Sound of Idaho. Play us out. The Vandals. Heaven, there is no beer. Go, Vandals. Go